0: Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted podcast, a podcast from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. This is a podcast where we hope it will spur on conversation that will bring more delight and less despair. My name is Adam. I'm the campus support team director here at South Mountain Community Church. And today we've got on the show our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and our teaching pastor, Eric Nelson. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well.
1: Hey, good to be back for another week. Uh, After a big weekend, especially at SMCC with our service and um, excited uh, to talk today about delight. Um, But man, I I was uh, delighted to experience uh, the story of Dr. Perkins and our story on Sunday. So if you missed that, uh, go check it out really timely for this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you got the opportunity to go back, I would highly encourage you to do that. We really think it was helpful and hopeful for people to be able to hear Dr. John Perkins story. So I would encourage you to do that. And as well, um, just before we get into our content for today, just a reminder, I know that you're probably sitting there, you know, listening to this, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're working out right now, maybe you're on a walk, but if you could just take 30 seconds to go ahead and make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast, uh, and also just leave a review that takes maybe 60 seconds total to, to do that. We'd love to get more reviews in. And uh, go ahead and text this uh, or, or email this to a friend that might find this helpful as well. Um, we know that you guys are already doing that and we're so thankful for that. We are uh, you know, over uh, 1,500 downloads for our, our podcast in total. And so we're really thankful for those of you that are helping out with that and um, making that happen. And we really want to, to help as many people as possible. And today we don't have a, a voicemail. Uh, we did the past couple of weeks we had voicemails and we were able to answer. Um, but uh, no vo- voicemail today, but we do want to remind you this number will be in the description for this episode below if you just kind of scroll up on your podcast app. Uh, the number is 801-382-8151. And uh, we've had some really good questions. We want more. in. again, there's I don't think there's really a question that we couldn't answer for you guys. So we want to encourage you guys uh, to do that and would uh, really appreciate it if, uh, if you do. It really uh, is, is great to be able to answer those questions for you. So today, now what we want to do, is, as Eric kind of already uh, mentioned, is is talk about delights. And and our mission as a church is to help as many people as possible become fully devoted and fully delighted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, what I think is interesting is, as we were talking about content for today, is I'm not sure we need to talk a lot about devotion, because I think that most people, if they've been in a religious system before, or even if they just looked at churches, I think they could, to some extent— I identify devotion, right? That's kind of baked into religion, right? That's a lot of what religion is, just pure devotion, nothing Mm -hmm. else. But we want to talk about delight uh, and outline that more for you. Even though we've touched on it a few times, we want to talk about it more. So, you know, Paul, why is delight such a big part of this? And we got a lot to say on that today, really, I think. Well, I do want to circle back and kind of just comment on some of the things we said,
2: I think, last week, and that is a lot of religious exercises are misplaced devotion. And so I thought it was important that we clarify that real true devotion looks like finding joy and honoring God by receiving our identity from Him and honoring God and uh, and making it our pleasure to understand His Lordship in our life, that He is the authority in our life, and then ultimately It's our pleasure to serve him and to do for others what he did for us in terms of all the one another's of the New Testament. And so that's important to get in terms of full devotion. Now, I want to give some background on this idea of full delight. Um, I think that for so many people, devotion and delight are kind of warring against each other. Either I can be fully devoted and committed to obeying God's commands or... I can pursue my own pleasure. And in John Piper's comment about God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him, he was trying to actually introduce what's called Christian hedonism. And it's this idea that the best life possible is found when we find pleasure in glorifying God. And so it brings those two concepts together. And one of the things that I've been struck by is the pushback on my ebook on giving and how people think that if you teach tithing you're teaching the law and the law is opposed to delight it's it's mm-hmm. like this big burden and first of all i'm not teaching the law when i talk about tithing because it's mentioned in the new testament both by jesus and by the apostle paul 1 corinthians chapter 9 and this idea that any command crushes our delight is a super weird idea that's kind of taken its own, you know, it's, it's gained its own life, it's grown feet and legs, and and it's really started to run rampant among evangelicals that there is now no more law, so to speak. However, Jesus said that, uh, I want you to go into all the world, make disciples all, of all nations, baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey all that I commanded. So the same Jesus that said that also said this, and this is from uh, John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. He said, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now get this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this. I have given you this command to love one another. So I've commanded you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So in Jesus's mind, commands and joy are are never to be separated. In fact, we find joy in, and we find delight in, in all the words that we use sometimes. We find, make it our pleasure. There is satisfaction, there is happiness, there is all this in actually aligning our, our, ourselves and our, and our lives with God's commands. And we serve him with delight instead of a sense of trying to obligate him so that he'll bless us or something like that. And so
1: that really is the essence of where we're headed with this idea of FDFD. It becomes very easy to obey his commands when you see his commands as something that will bring pleasure and satisfaction to your life. It's no longer a have to, it's a want to. And I think I was a youth pastor for a long time. I started following Jesus when I was 18. And most people think God's out to take the fun out of life. He's out to take the pleasure out of life, the satisfaction out of life. Yeah, you better do the right thing, but you're not going to like it. And that is such a misconception. And I'm so glad we get to talk about it today because the podcast, we, we say this every week, more delight less despair. More delight, less despair. Because we're convinced everybody wants more delight in life. Now, Paul, you've used a lot of words and you kind of just alluded to this. There's a lot of words that sort of fall inside the umbrella of of delight. Um, You know, is delight happiness? Uh, Because they kind of seem connected. Is delight joy? Is delight an emotion? Is delight a feeling? Is delight an attitude? Of course, the English language, you know, words have more than one meaning. And sometimes uh, the core of the word is found in understanding a couple different concepts around one word. But, Paul, in your understanding of delight, what is delight? Yeah,
2: we've wrestled with Andy Stanley's statement, and and we actually believe it's true. He says, most people are not on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. And when that word is used in that context, it's basically people are trying to feel better. Mm -hmm. They just Mm -hmm. want to feel Better, they want relief. They want some sense of joy in their life. And when we use the word, ha- we we usually don't use the word happiness because it seems circumstantial.
1: And that's and my, my quick go to is happiness is based on what's happening
2: exactly. Yeah. And and I think that's why we tr- usually try to steer away from that. But mm-hmm. it's acceptable in this in this discussion if if we understand that uh, all our happiness, all our joy all our sense of satisfaction, all our pleasure is a byproduct of a relationship. It's not based on circumstances. Mm. And so uh, it's a state of mind. It's an attitude more than it is a feeling. And I think that with that understanding, we can go, oh, okay. Uh, People that are, let's take grandparenting, for instance, since I relate to that world. You can, as a grandparent, sit on your deck in the evening and experience satisfaction that you've raised kids that actually want to be with you mm-hmm. and now they have children that you can find joy and delight in even when they're not with you mm. there's just they're not there but you're you're experiencing a sense of joy and delight and so it isn't circumstantial in that in that sense mm. You can look back on a life well lived and and, uh, and and take pleasure in that. When we watched the story of John Perkins, I found tremendous delight in knowing that God could take a person so broken, so bitter and there's reasons good reasons why he was broken and bitter and just transform him through the love of a white doctor. You know, that, that transforming love is from God flowing through that doctor. That doctor made it his pleasure to give to John Perkins what he had received from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That is life-changing. And when I watch a story like that, I take pleasure in God's goodness and kindness and grace and and all that takes place from that. And how many lives have been changed through the ministry of John Perkins? It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So this podcast, More Delight, Less Despair, is we want to talk about a way to delight that uh, the, the culture that we live in is not really talking about you know I think culture would say live for your own pleasure and you'll have full delight that's actually not true no, it's the opposite of that's not going to be helpful at all so yeah delight is pleasure now when I think of pleasure I-, I think you know in our postmodern world pleasure is somehow connected to physical pleasure romantic pleasure I mean that's kind yeah. of the where we go but I just like to think of the word pleased what will please me most? And so, Paul, as you talk about grandkids, that pleases you. I saw I saw a meme this week that says, uh, "When you wake up in the morning, pour a cup of coffee and look at look at your green grass. You're officially in your 30s." And um, that's my that's me every day. But but uh, you know, so it's like, what what pleases me? What What are the things I look at and go, "That's the way it should be. That's what I want." And when we talk about full devotion and full delight together, it's there's when I make. When my identity is formed by what Jesus has done for me, not by what I do, there's nothing else that could please me like that. There's no other way to identity that's as pleasing and satisfying or delight producing as that. Same with authority. When I see how good of an authority he is, there's no other authority that will bring more satisfaction to my life than him. And so I'm pleased with making him my authority. I didn't have to do it. It was my pleasure to do it. And then same, and then same with activity. So that's the connection.
2: And this is why we're such a, You know, we're on the war path against religion, so to speak, is because it ruins people's joy. It steals their joy. Uh, Whenever you feel like you're obligated to do something uh, in order to earn something from someone else, that relationship doesn't have any joy in it. It's it's just a paycheck. I think that's what uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, that was behind why he said what he said and wrote what he wrote in Romans chapter 4, taking the story of Abraham. Abraham didn't work. He just believed, and it all came to him as a gift. And if you try to have a relationship with God based on what you do instead of uh, what you receive from him, then then you're just going to have a joyless relationship with him. I am struck by uh, what John Piper uh, said in, in his book, Desiring God, about just changing one word in the Westminster Confession, Westminster Confession is a series of of questions and answers, and this is a catechism for young young people as they turn twelve or whatever you know, sometime in their in their early teens perhaps. And and so the question, the number one question is, what is the chief end of man? And we would ask the question, what is the real purpose of life? And uh, the expected answer is that you. Um, live your life to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So even the Presbyterians had this idea of delight. Mm -hmm. But John Piper said, if you change the word and to the word by, it brings an element, a richness, a, a new angle to this that sometimes we have never considered. Like God is most glorified when we when we actually do what we do out of a, a sense of delight in Him, and I think that gets to the essence of how we could see this in a, in a way that that just really. Um, changes the way we do our christian walk. He makes some points in his book Desiring God that I think are important and that is the longing to be happy is a universal human experience and is good, not sinful. I think a lot of people think if it if it if it's causing me to have pleasure, it must of course be uh, sinful. And of course, he he, he quotes Blaise or Blay, whatever, Pascal, I'm not good at my French, but he was a French philosopher and mathematician and theologian. He said, "...all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views." the will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. And so, Eric, what you just said is so important. Instead of trying to motivate people through shame and guilting, it's, people are most motivated when they understand that there's joy involved. There's there's a sense of pleasure and delight and satisfaction. And so that is something that's real about every single person. You can motivate through fear or you can motivate through love and joy. I think love and joy go together. But, the, but what we see in religion is it's always fear. And so, the, and so that cancels out all joy. So the gospel is always love and it's always kindness. It's always joy.
1: So I think one of our responsibilities as pastors and communicators is to not tell people what they're doing could be wrong or hurtful or harmful in their life. It's to show them why what they're doing will not satisfy their life like obeying Christ will. I think that is super important as communicators because when someone sees that, and and we connect that to what Pascal just said, They want to change. Change is just a joy. They're like, oh, if this relationship is harming me, then I don't want it, anyways. And so, when we can show people, kind of shine a light on how what they're doing or experiencing or believing um, that's not biblical or doesn't align with Jesus is actually robbing them of their own joy, (laughs) then their next step to follow Christ and obey Him becomes really doable. And it becomes something that, you know, back to the Chick-fil-A thing, they would just say, My pleasure. Chick-fil-A has helped <laughs> us see Chick-fil-A always reminds me of delight. So we don't disagree with
2: Annie Stanley. Most people are are not on a truth quest, they're on a happiness quest. So it's our job to bring truth to that happiness quest mm. and to show that all roads do not lead to happiness. In fact, many roads lead to destruction, according to Jesus. And and so if we can show the best road the road that corresponds with truth actually does lead to a satisfying life and illustrate that through maybe uh, you know using a life like john perkins to show what that life looks like illustrate it that's a win for every single person
1: absolutely it god is, is
2: glorified win. the truth is upheld and people are actually more satisfied than they would be otherwise
1: 100% 100% i mean we just kind of sum that up in about 15 minutes but oh my goodness, this is years and years and years of ministry and experience, and there's just so much wisdom that goes into how we how we do this. Now, there's one thing that's really important that I want to talk about, and that is this, and we've said this before in messages at SMCC, that it is hard to delight in someone you doubt is delighted in you. So, we really have to begin with a proper understanding of who God is and a proper understanding of the gospel to then even choose to want to find delight in God. And so, it's really important to think about it this way. Is God out to take the fun out of life? Is God mad at me? Is God angry? Or does God delight in me? Because if He delights in me, then it could be my pleasure to delight in Him. And think about my, I think about my marriage this way. When I know that my wife is pleased with me, that she delights in me, and when I see her devotion to me, The natural byproduct is that my devotion and my delight in her goes up as well. This is how love works. And we live in a culture that really has some misguided definitions of love. But my favorite definition of love is love is this, devotion plus delight equals love. Some people think of love purely as just devotion. I just got to do, do, do for somebody. Some people think of love as purely an attitude that leads to pleasurable emotions, which would be the delight category. I'm just going to delight, delight, delight. And that's love. Well, I think love really is both in a relationship here with with our spouses, with our, our kids, there's devotion involved and delight involved, but it's the same with God. A loving relationship with God is devotion and delight. So here's the beauty of the gospel. When we are in Christ, God is as pleased with us as he is with Christ. So at, when Jesus is baptized, this is my son, whom I am well pleased So God really does take satisfaction in us. He delights in us because of what Christ has done and God is pleased by the righteousness of Christ. God is pleased with Christ's righteousness in us. And so we don't have to think God must be angry and mad at me and I need to be scared of him. It's no, he uh, takes pleasure in us and therefore I can delight in him. And that connection is very important.
2: You know, that's absolutely true. And I'm happy that you said that. Um, I find pleasure in you saying that. <laughs> Thanks, it satisfies Paul. <laughs> me. Uh, actually, it's really true about Christians. God, our relation, you know, being in Christ means that we are in his his love, and, and He finds pleasure in us. But you know, the non-Christian, uh, oftentimes, unfortunately, certain theological perspectives would somehow communicate that God hates the sinner, and and that really concerns me. So let me get theological here for a second. This is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that uh, uh, people might not perish but have eternal life. But verse 17 is really important. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, they're condemned already, and so if you look at the life of Christ, if you read the Gospels, you'll find Christ showing love to people. He was reaching out to them. He was, he was, um, communicating grace and truth to every single person he came in contact with, and so. When the comments of, you know, this condemnation uh, is supposed to come down upon uh, believers, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I, when condemnation is communicated by us to unbelievers, we do not represent Christ well. They are under condemnation, but they should not be condemned by us.
1: Mm.
2: See, they're under condemnation, but... Uh, God loves them. And so we need to communicate the gospel that there's bad news before there is good news, but that never means that uh we are communicators of condemnation,
1: hmm.
2: you know, hatred. You know uh somehow when when we do that, we're expecting people to act in a way that they have no capacity to to, to act, they haven't gotten the Holy Spirit uh, through faith in Christ. And so we're expecting the kind of life change that just is impossible for them. And and instead of uh, communicating the love and grace and kindness of Jesus Christ, we're just c- communicating condemnation. Now, that doesn't mean that, again, I'm repeating myself, there's not an element of, hey, there's bad news here. Mm hmm. But that's not personally leveled against them through a condemning attitude tw- from us, and so I think this has uh, a lot of ramifications on how you do church, how you do evangelism. Uh, it is, it is the way, it's the posture that we've tried to have at SMCC is that uh, we invite you to take your next step. Even prior to Christ, we're inviting you because God loves you, and he is drawing you, and won't you come? It, it, is, it We're not building walls and, and hurling truth bombs over the wall uh, in, in a way that we're just simply condemning the world.
1: Yeah, so this does become very pastoral, I love that you said this, and, and very personal at SMCC, because what what's really important is that if someone is saying this next step that I'm invited to take is actually burdensome, you know, if, if this is like, and if someone's listening and saying, I'm trying to follow Jesus, but man, I just don't like it. You know, I have to do all these things I don't like. um, I understand. I understand that perspective. Um, I, I don't think we should just wait till it feels fun to take our next step. Sometimes discipline, sometimes trust is challenging, but the way out of the challenge is to think harder Um, Not try better, but think harder about why God would invite this next step, why God would command us to do this, because I'm convinced deep down inside of that thinking, you will find something that's very pleasing, and then the next step is done out of delight, not duty.
2: So in, in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to Peter and the disciples. And who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says to Peter, heaven, you know, you didn't come up with this on your own. God revealed this to you. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not be able to stand against it. And so sometimes I talk about the church. You know, I draw a fortress and I put the gates there in at the entrance to the fortress. Now, where is the church? Is the church outside the fortress or inside the fortress? And and people that think that the world is evil and that we need to have a protective posture and that the world is all against us and we need to protect our kids and all that kind of stuff, that's a fortress mentality, puts the church inside the fortress. And so we're actually on the offense breaking down the gates of hatred and lies and all this and we're trying to rescue the people in in bondage in the fortress that's true Mm -hmm. now i said i also say now for sake of argument what if we were uh in the fortress uh or inside these walls uh the the walls can the, the the gates can be broken down from the outside or from the inside and uh it doesn't matter which where you put the church, but if you have a culture that is so uh, loving, so filled with joy, and there's a sense of freedom that the non-Christian people in bondage want what you have—and this is exactly what you're saying— then they'll rush the gates of hell. They'll break them down either from the inside or from the outside, no matter where we're supposed to be in this illustration, and they'll come to what we have. People want joy. Annie Stanley is right. People are on a happiness quest. And John Piper's right that our, our devotion is, does not cancel out our delight. And so our type of evangelism is to present an irresistible culture where people will want
1: in—that
2: mm. is so much more powerful than just a message of condemnation.
1: Man, I love hearing you say that. And, and and when I hear you say that, it reminds me of something that I've seen in my five years at SMCC. And I just had this conversation in my small group last week, and that is, it creates a very messy type of church environment because you have people that are investigating whether this will lead to joy. You have people that are taking their next steps in identity when their activity has not even been addressed yet. And that's fine. So you can belong before you believe. We honor the process that God changes people from the inside out. That takes a long time, but inside out change begins with identity and authority. And then I'm convinced activity just follows. That's kind of what we're saying is that when your identity is something that is so delightful because of Christ and your authority is Christ and there's nothing more delightful than that, then activity just becomes this kind of just your, your activity just changes almost as a byproduct of those two things, but it takes a lot of, a lot of time. And sometimes um, people can't see the inside out process um, taking place. They can't see how identity is something. Someone's working through the lies of around previous um, beliefs about their identity. And, and so that takes time. And so really this culture is irresistible because of grace and truth. But I'll tell you, the culture can look a little bit messy when you start to look at people's lives because everybody's in process, everybody's taking a next step, and they're taking a next step in one of three areas. Instead of, at most churches, the only next step is in one area, which is clean up your life. Get your activity together. Now That's all God really cares about. And we're saying no. In fact, identity and authority, I think, are more important than activity because, of course, you can do the right activity for the wrong reason. So we got to deal with these other two things first. And that creates a church like SMCC where… Um, It's so amazing to be a part of because people's lives are being changed. But at the same time, there are people struggling and and hurting and taking one step forward, two steps back. Uh, It's slow going. At least when they're taking
2: their next step, it's their pleasure.
1: But it is their pleasure. And it's not based on fear, guilt, or shame. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think if you're listening to this and you've been a Jesus follower for a long time and you walk into SMCC, it could be easy to think, Man, there's a whole lot of, and then some ridiculous term gets used, like half committed Christians here, or there's a whole lot of, you know, sinners here. And we're like, yes, there, that's a, that's right. This is a culture of grace and truth, and they can take their next step at, at their own pace. And so I love being a, tr- a part of a church like that.
2: Yeah, there is a, another, I think, idea that John Piper is pretty good about, and that is that... um We should never try to deny or resist our longing to be happy, uh, but we should actually encourage people to nourish that longing, to be happy or satisfied. And he he goes to the C.S. Lewis quote that Mm -hmm. is just so popular and I, I think very, very profound. And he says, if there lurks in the minds of um If there lurks in most minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel— It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We, in you know, just to say that in plain English, uh, our problem is not that our desires to be happy and satisfied are too strong. The problem is we don't fan the flame of those desires enough. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. These are the roads that don't lead to the satisfying life. Uh, We're messing around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, and that sums up our philosophy of ministry well, so nicely.
1: I, I love that. You know, a lot of people say all world religions are the same, and I was listening to Ravi Zacharias uh, yesterday, um, who just passed away, and, and he was talking about how some people think all religions are basically the same with some superficial differences, and and um, no, all religions are massively different, and here's one reason why. Most religions say, turn down your desires. Absolutely. And we're saying, no, turn them up because God will meet them. And uh, But if you think of Eastern religion, it's stop desiring. Stop desiring. Turn down your desires and you'll experience inner peace. And it's like, no, Christianity is the opposite. Jesus says, you'll have my joy. Do you think his joy was half-hearted? Turned down? Muted? Not at all. And you he say, wants don't to be satisfied with
2: less than what I offer you. I love it. I love it.
0: So I think uh, this conversation is is great to to kind of start chipping away at the iceberg. It's kind of a thirty thousand you know foot, um you know look at the light so far. What I wonder is if there's listeners that are hearing this and go, okay, I, I'm getting this. I'm picking up on this. But then my next question is, is as as I'm sure that we have listeners who look at their walk with Jesus and look at next steps. And we talk, you know, about next steps a lot. And all this is through the lens of we honor the process in which God changes people from the inside out. So, you know, hear the the remainder of this through that lens. But I think that there are listeners out there. There are people that I attend that say, you know, I, I understand the importance of devotion and delight together. I understand the importance of taking next steps. We all have a next step to take. But what if there are some next steps that I just don't you know, find delight in. You know, we talk about some of these, like, you know, I think the big ones is I've been a, a campus pastor before, a Next Steps pastor. You know, I think some of the big hurdles that people think of in in delight is, um, I maybe don't want to serve. Maybe I attend a SMCC or another church and, and I just can't find delight in, in serving or or giving is another big one. I can't find delight in giving. Let's break down yeah. some of that.
2: It goes back to something I said earlier. It's a byproduct. And so what we're saying is, trust me, this road serving, giving, investing in others. This is the road to satisfaction. And by the way, uh, Martin Seligman and all the other uh, positive psychology gurus have studied the, the, the people who are most satisfied in life. And they would say, yeah, in order to actually Being happy. And I'm listening to Lori Santos right now, her happiness lab. She's a Yale professor. She agrees with this. And so, this is well known information. And that is, you need a purpose for life. You need people to do life with, real connection, real community where love is exchanged. You're loving them, they're loving you. And you need this purpose that you have has to be bigger than you. You have to actually sacrifice for something, some cause, some purpose that is bigger than you in order to find satisfaction in life. It's not that complicated, but it is the gospel. And this is exactly what we're called to. And so when people don't want to serve, don't want to give, don't want to sacrifice, they want to live in a kind of a self-centered world, That's a road that doesn't lead to satisfaction, delight, pleasure, whatever you want to call it. It is a dead end. And so as loving them, the most loving thing to do for them is to tell them that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes this is very important. Your thinking brain, I was just talking about this with my kids. Your thinking brain needs to lead your feeling brain first. Okay, so my thinking brain, and this is, we talk about this a lot at SMCC, the proper place of your emotions, right? And a lot of people say feelings go first, and then my thoughts follow and all this, and and then my beliefs are the last thing that's formed. And what I want to say is that I think God designed us to live with uh, truth as the guide, right? That our thoughts go first, our beliefs come first. And so if if I believe that um, giving 10% will make an investment in the life change of people through the local church, then even when I write the check, or that's old school, you know, however you do it these days, Adam look to me like, what's a check? Um, I don't know what a check <laughs> is. Um, sometimes I think, I could have bought this with that, you know? And my, and my feelings tell me, ouch, my feelings don't always go to delight, but my thinking... Is delighting because I know that this is going to produce something. This is going to lead to some life change, or my serving is going to lead to life change. It's going to lead to an impact over time that uh, will actually be more, be far more pleasing to me than if I, you know, bought another, you know, bicycle or golf, you know, new driver or putter or whatever. So I'm using that. These are the things I buy, you know. Um, so. My thoughts need to come first because they will tell me what I should feel. And then when I remember that my sacrifice here that's hard to make, whether it's giving or serving, my sacrifice here, even though it's hard to make, will make an investment in the lives of people, which is far more important to me ultimately than um, me having the new greatest best thing then my feelings actually do follow. And I'm actually training my feelings to align with truth. And, and then um, delight sets in even more. So, uh, yeah, really important thinking brain over feeling brain. And sometimes what feels like a discipline now feels like an investment later on. And um, that's where you said, do I trust God enough to, to, to follow his word, even when I don't see or feel the delight setting in perhaps? And when we know he's good, then the answer to that question is yes.
0: Yeah, and
2: he commands service, he commands giving, he commands, you know, all these, things. his commands are good. And 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 that is part of trusting his authority in our life, that he's telling us the truth, which path leads to the satisfaction that we desire. It's also, I think, in, incumbent upon us to kind of lay it out, paint the picture. We, we, we like to use the word, or the words, play the movie, and help people play that movie. What do you want said about you when you're, dead and gone. And when you when you look at the lives of, of people that have made an impact, have sacrificed their life for others, you know that is the most honorable life possible. And when I say honorable, that kind of life receives honor from uh, the people that are still alive. And there's not a person on the face of the earth that doesn't want that. They want to know that their life mattered,
1: When I look back over my life, my deepest regrets and pain, uh, you know, I was at the center of all those decisions. And the reality is that I thought in the moment they would lead to my greatest pleasure. And now here I am five years later, five days later, you know, whatever, 20 years later thinking, huh, got that one wrong. You know what I mean? I thought it would lead to my pleasure. I thought it would be pleasing to me. And now it's just a regret to me. How did that happen? Oh, I know I'm a bad authority for my own life. So, let's just kind of you know look over history, use a little logic, and logic would tell us we need a better authority than our feelings as the guiding force in our lives. So let's choose an authority who promises our own joy, and follow him. And that's what the Goth, that's what Christianity is. There's also the aspect of do for others as you would want them
2: to do for you. Mm. And when you think about it, there's people in a church environment that love. SMCC. Let's just use SMCC for a second. And they say, I love this church. Well, what are the reasons why they love this church? Is because there's people that have invested sacrificially to provide those environments, physical environments, and also, also also cultural environments. A healthy place for their kids to go to Sunday school, a great uh, worship experience, uh, you, you name it, you know, a built-in system of small groups where they can find community. And yet, if they don't want to invest in that, having received all that, and now they don't want to give that, hey, we're just asking them to take their next step in uh, in becoming fully devoted. Because without that kind of understanding, you're still not an adult yet in the way that you see life as give and take. And there's... We invite people to come and receive, but we also invite them to take their next step because there actually is in more there is more joy in giving than receiving to, quote,
0: God himself. <laughs> it's interesting that you use that analogy of, you know, just, and I'm not saying this to put anybody down, but almost to you say you kind of growing up, like being, quote, unquote, an adult, right. a mature Christian. And a lot of the times maturity, people are measuring that by how much you know. But we measure maturity by how well you love God and love others. Now, I'm not a dad. You two are dads. But I'm sure that you guys find delight. And Paul, you're a granddad. Mm-hmm. You find delight, I would guess. Maybe this isn't the right place to reveal this if not. <laughs> uh, but that you find delight in, for your kids who have not grown up and can sustain themselves and do things, you find delight in supplying things for them. Yeah, well, think about Christmas. I think as a kid, Christmas
1: is all about what you get. And, uh, I mean, you're making your list. You're thinking through everything you want. Christmas morning is all about opening presents. But now, as a parent, and Paul, as a grandparent, you know, the delight. You know, I'm, I'm sick of, you know, faking like I like a gift that I got that I don't like. The real delight of Christmas is in what you are able to give now. And I think that uh, that's a real picture of of, of, of Christianity. And, and when it comes to ministry in, local, in the local church, we say everybody starts as a consumer. Everybody starts like a kid on Christmas. What does this church have for me? We get that. We're not going to shame those people. It's not a problem. But what we want to lead them to over time is an attitude like Christ, who did not come to be served, Philippians 2, but came to serve. And now there's greater joy in that uh, for the Jesus follower. And so there's people at SMCC who started as consumers and now they say, it's my it's my pleasure to offer to others what SMCC and really the people of SMCC once offered to me. And now there is great joy in that. So the first time you show up, you see a life change story on the screen. You think, wow, that's inspiring. I wonder if that could happen to me. The 100th time you've heard that story, you think, wow, look at what I was able to be a part of. We we did this together. I just wrote a message for a series coming up in the summer um, on the difference between they versus we. People come to me all the time and say, hey, uh, SMCC, when are they gonna put a campus uh, in this area of town? I'm like, who's who's SMCC? They, you mean us? You mean we? We're gonna do that together. You know, it's so interesting. We say they when we had a bad experience at a hotel. Man, you couldn't believe what they did. They did this, they did this. Consumers, complainers use they. But over time, I want as many people as possible to get to a spot where where we say we, we have a problem to solve. We need to take our next steps. As a church, we want to reach more people. And the shift from they to we is actually a shift that uh, I think leads to more joy when you say we together are a part of this. This is our community, my church, my people. We've talked about that way before. So anyways, this is important to me. Yeah, and
2: let's go back to what Jesus said. He says, my joy, so that my joy might be in you. So he's he's revealing his heart. He says, "It's been my pleasure this entire uh, ministry, these 3 years together." He said that in the upper room. So it's the, you know, it's right there right before the last supper and going to the cross and so he's he's summing up this ministry of mine, my relationships with you, everything that I've done is my pleasure. It's my joy. I do this because I want to. That is is a life well lived. And so now that's what he's communicating to us, that this is available to us. But if it's not available, if we try to do it without him, and in ways that are contrary to his will and purposes, it's only available to us in serving Christ, and cooperating with him uh, in, in, in actually bringing about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Yeah, and I think if, you know, if you look at SMCC and you, and you look at other churches and it's like, you know, you just kind of at the end of the message or, you know, end of the day, you think I should pray more, I should read more, I should do all that. We think you should pray. We think you should read the Bible. We think you should give fast, whatever those, we think we should do all that. But the why at SMCC is what we uh, take such careful, we paid such careful attention to. I mean, painstakingly. We, we We want the why to be so clear because the why could easily be interpreted in a lot of Religion, in a lot of churches, to get God to bless you, to get God to love you more, to get your ticket to heaven, to be a good Christian. We go out of our way to help people see that the why is actually your own delight, and because God is glorified when you're delighted, then it's God's glory, and that is a big deal.
0: I think this is a great, helpful conversation, guys. We're we're coming to the end of our time, but here's here's how I want to end this. We we keep uh, we were flying the plane high. Kind of came in close to the landing as you're coming in over the airport, I want to land this plane. And I want this to be helpful for people. And I know that we're talking a lot about delights. Um, at least the second part um, about you know next steps, but I, I think this is the part where people are, need the most help and they 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 are looking for answers with this. If you were to sit down with one of our listeners and 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 uh, at a coffee shop or something, and they were just to say, Man, I'm I know I should be doing X, Y, Z, like they understand this is part of taking the next step. And I'm not trying to just, you know, say that we're all about activity, right? I think we've made that clear in previous episodes, but they, they know that they want to grow. They want to, to take next steps, which is awesome. But they, you know, they're not quite sure how to find that delight. I mean, what do you say to that person? Um, just if you were going to give a two minute explanation, you know, what would be, what would, as a pastor, what would you say to that person?
1: I would say that, uh, It's okay to allow your feelings to be a gauge uh, around uh, your spirituality. So let it's an okay if you're if let them be an indicator. So if you're feeling frustrated, if you're if you feel like Christianity is a grind, if you feel like there's no delight, that's a great place to start the conversation. Okay, just be honest about that, because I would guess that there is something. There's there's a, there's somewhere where truth and lies are actually combating each other inside of your worldview, okay, that there's some type of grind. And so then I would say, so let's do some more thinking about where, about why um, God would invite you to take this next step or command you to take this next step because there's joy in it. That person maybe just hasn't seen it yet. And so I would want to have that conversation. So if they're in a relationship um, and it's an unhealthy relationship and they're trying to follow Jesus, but they got this relationship on the side and they're waking up on Saturday morning because of Friday night with a whole lot of guilt and regret and Christianity feels like a grind and they don't know if they want to go to church because they feel like people are judging them even though no one even knows and they're judging themselves. That's really what's happening. That's a grind. I've, I've lived in that. And I, I just tried to put in more effort and that never that never helped that never led to more delight what led to more delight was understanding the gospel more it was a thinking problem it wasn't an effort problem it wasn't even necessarily a, a, an activity or you know a, a sinful problem it was a sin problem uh, but it was really maybe connected to my thinking. And so um, I would want to help that person think well about whatever issue it is. So I'd say, okay, Christianity, to anybody listening, okay, Christianity feels like a grind. It doesn't feel like a a want to. You don't have delight. I understand that. We've all been there. Tell me the issue that feels like the grind, and let's do some more thinking. Let's do some more digging because if we're convinced that Jesus wants us us to experience his joy, then there is joy there. We just haven't dug deep enough yet to see it. So that is my recommendation to anybody that feels like Christianity is a grind. Whatever next step might be, giving, can't do it, too hard for me. Let's talk about the joy in giving. Uh, Reading the Bible, can't do it, too difficult for me, I don't get it. Let's talk about the joy there. Serving in kids ministry, can't do it, it's too hard, I don't want to serve. Okay, let's talk about the joy there. That's my approach to people who feel like Christianity is a grind.
2: Being at a coffee shop, uh, this could be you know, two cups of coffee, not just one, in my <laughs> conversation. And I explore this in some discipleship material that I'm, I'm trying to finish up right now. And I think it boils down for a lot of people. I love what you said, Eric, because you did mention especially the, the idea that, first of all, we have to understand the gospel. And the, and the, and the gospel is simply God's solution to our real problem. And that's why it's good news. But if you don't understand the bad news, it's hard to understand the good news. And a lot of people think the bad news simply is that they're not happy. And so Christianity is supposed to make them happy. And if it doesn't, they'll go to something else that will make them happy. In other words, I feel unfulfilled. And so if Christianity doesn't fulfill me, I'll I'll go someplace else. It's an add-on to their life. It's not a solution to their real problem. But when people understand that their real problem is separation from God because of sin, that they have um, rebelled against God's authority, and that now puts them under this just condemnation, and uh, that they, they are suffering from spiritual death, And that's a barrier to to real fulfillment and joy in life. Uh, Then they don't look for the solution in the cross. The cross is the solution to people's real problem. And so when they understand what their real problem is, they embrace the cross, then the gratitude is there to actually motivate obedience. But truly, there's so many Christians that aren't that excited about the cross because they don't think they're that bad of a person, and they don't think that their real problem is sin
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, and and separation from God. That, that's not a big deal to them. So the bigger deal we can make about the gospel, the better off I think everybody will be. And sometimes we just need to kind of go back over that basic concept that this solution This loving, gracious, kind solution to our greatest problem is what fuels all obedience.
0: Mm, I love it. I think if, even just for a moment, I, I mean, one, I think those are both really good explanations. I love that this is a culture and a church where we're not trying to manipulate people into action, into activity, not trying to guilt them into it. You know, even to what you said, Eric, it's, you know, I'm not even talking to them about Something in particular, but more about saying, let's think more. You both kind of mentioned this. Let's think more about the good news and the bad news and all those things. And I would say, just from a personal note, I'll 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 give a little bit here. That that's kind of my personal experience too. And I want to encourage listeners to to hear just a little bit of my story. I think um, that I hope this will be helpful for people. So I never I grew up um, always really loving to serve. So I was never a struggle with me. Loved to serve growing up. Still love to serve. I will admit I must I am a selfish person. All right, so I I like my things. I like to buy things. I I am a selfish person. Even in Bible school, I remember just how in, even my life going to school to be a pastor. Um, I was not um, giving or tithing to a church, and and I just kind of justified it just because like oh well I'm I'm going into ministry, so like you know all these things that I could justify with. What happened is, is now since I've been married for for five years now, I've been in ministry and with my wife is that it's it's been so amazing as the more and more we, we've become involved, the more and more that we've been involved in church, participated in ministry, seeing lives changed, it is so quickly and so easily turned to delight to give. And even in our conversations as my wife now has a new job and she's been promoted and she's in sales, it's fun now for us when we get paid to look and go, look at how much we get to give to the church. We, I'm you know, not making this up. It's such a delight to give because we've seen how much the churches we've been a part of have helped people. And we know the bad news and we understand the good news. And we say, wow, I'm so glad that we get to give this to the church because we want to help more people.
1: You know, I love hearing you say that, Adam. One of the ways that uh, I think we can be helpful as leaders is to help people see how their financial generosity to the local church or to SMCC is making an impact. So like what you're saying is so great. Like one way to talk about it is uh, you are paying for the seat of two or three people next to you every Sunday. That seat was put on by you. You know what I mean? Like no one would ever know your name. You don't care about that, but that's what happened or Hey, your season pass to SMCC was paid for. You know, we got a lot of skiing here in Utah. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, Your lift ticket today was paid for by that person over there and it was their pleasure to do so. You know, so as you find ways to describe how generosity works in the local church. It actually is very inspiring and enjoy producing. It's not, hey, you should, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways to talk about generosity. And I love talking about all those ways, but one very simple way is, hey, your cup of coffee today that was free for you was actually bought for you by a person you'll never meet. And and that's fine. They don't need to be honored by you, but it was their pleasure to put on that cup of coffee. It was their pleasure to buy those goldfish that your kids are eating. You see those speakers that sound so good with that song coming through. You see those screens with the light, the AC, the temperature in here is good. All that was put on by someone else, and they put it on for you because of their generosity. Your experience today was paid for by another, and uh, that's a cool way to talk about it. I want to put on a great experience. I want to be a part of that because the, the little, the little that I that I give could never provide that whole opportunity. It's us together that could create those excellent environments. And so, anyways, I Adam, I love hearing you share that, man.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to say that to to manipulate people. I just want to say. I've been there, and I've come to the other side, and now it—what a thrill! And what a—I jo- seriously use a thrill when yeah. we go. We don't do use a check, but when we pay, go online and give, it's like, oh wow, this is cool. See, so I want people to understand. That yeah, that's and out that's
1: in 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 me kind of taking a few minutes to describe a different way to think about giving. Like your seat was paid for by so and so. That's just an example of thinking more. So if giving is a grind, let's think about it in this way. Here's another way I love to talk about it. Christianity is only one generation away from dying off, but to this day it hasn't because of the generous men and women who went before us who said, the Eric needs to hear the message someday. They never knew my name, but the day that I wanted to check out Jesus, there was a local church in my area. People gave for that to happen, and now we get to pick up the torch. Okay. That helps me see this in a compelling way. It's not like, oh, the church wants more money from me. It's like, no, I get to be a part of this and now it's no longer a grind. It's a cause, a cause worth living for and my money connects to it.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to throw one more idea, and I know we have to go quickly, but there is something to be said about a discipline leading to joy. And I get into walking and out of walking all the time. I find, and I find my wind being built up, the ability to climb hills without gasping for breath. It takes about a week or two of serious walking, and then I'm good at even at 47. 100 feet above sea yeah. level, I'm doing pretty good. I take a week off of walking and now it's hard again. And it's this built up um, tolerance to pain and uh, and then the experience of joy that goes with that that is a discipline. You, I, I, people talk about runners high. I've never experienced <laughs> that. Okay. But walking, I can get that. I can understand that. So, when you serve, when you give, it's hard at first. You're breaking a habit of self-centeredness. You are fighting through the temptation to do other, and then you get into it, and there's pleasure and joy and satisfaction.
1: It's like climbing hills. Paul, we could use golf as an analogy, too. Uh the person that can hit the shot close to the pin probably has a little more joy in the game than the duffer who can't even get it off the tee. So your capacity for joy increases as you discipline your life. And so, Adam, you're describing your capacity for joy in the area of giving has grown over time. It's the same for me. And uh, I want that for as many listeners as possible.
0: Right, right. Well, Guys, we are out of time. Um, I hope this is helpful for people. I hope that we covered a lot of, you know, delight light and, and all different facets of it. Um, so thank you again uh, for joining us. Uh, again, I listen to, I don't know how many podcasts during a week, uh, but I know that what comes up in my feed is the stuff that I really value. And so thank you for allowing us to be a part of your your podcast feed and taking the time to listen to that. And um, thank you again for for sharing for subscribing, for leaving a review. That really helps us. Again, that's a way to help us get this podcast into as many ears as possible. And it doesn't cost uh, doesn't cost you anything. Um, but we want to help more people um, and get this to as many people as possible. And again, just a reminder, we love to, to have a, a voicemail question to answer again. You know, last couple episodes, we had voicemails to answer. Uh, not one this week, but we would love to have you call in again. That number is 801 382 8151. That number is going to be in the description of this episode. Um, and we really look forward to seeing you guys again next week for our next episode. Um, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.
2: Thanks again for joining us for the fully delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe,
0: give us a rating or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.